Well, welcome to Christmas at Elam. Welcome along to church. What's really interesting about when you come along to a service like this, especially on Christmas morning, it's not like you don't know what the, what the, what the speaker is going to be talking about. It's not like you have no idea what I'm going to say. Uh, you know I'm going to be speaking about Christmas Day and sharing about the Christmas story. Um, so what I decided to do is that I'm going to be talking about the tabernacle instead. No, just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but what's really, really interesting is that you can go through Christmas, you can go through the whole Christmas period, the whole Christmas season, and not hear or read the actual Christmas story. We can actually do that because, you know, for many of us, we, we, we know the story. Many of us sitting in this room, we know the story. Hands down, we can recite it, we can quote it, we might not be able to quote it off by heart, but we know the story really well, so maybe we, 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 we don't read the story, and so you can come through Christmas, even come to church on a Sunday, and not actually hear the Christmas story. We can go to the lights in Harrowfield Street, or down to the temple, or wherever, go on to look at the giant trees at Tiawa or at um, Santa Place, Garden Place, um, and we can still miss the Christmas story. So today we're going, to be, we're going to be reading the Christmas story together. And if you're here for the very first time, you're most welcome to join with us. Um, so, so glad to be part of our family. What I love about uh, Christianity, it's a movement of people. And uh, meeting in different, uh, different places and different homes and different buildings, but it's the church, the greater body, and we can come together. And, and this, what I love about Christianity, it's a multi-ethnic movement. It's a multi-ethnic movement. And just looking in this room, it's, a, it's, a, it's full of people of different ethnicities. And this is what Christ brings us together. That uh, we, we went to a Tamil service. We've been to a Tamil Christmas service. We've been to a Filipino Christmas service. What I love about it, no matter whether the, the culture is very different to my own, we sense the, the unity of Christ, the, the Holy Spirit. That we can go in the middle into India and go to a, 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 a church there and still feel united because the church is a multi-ethnic movement of believers because why is it think about it the church is really kind of strange there's nothing like it there's nothing like it in the world where where we can all come together sit in the same room different uh, nationalities ethnic backgrounds different professions we can come and sit together and sing songs together why is it why is it that, 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 um, that there's nothing like the church there's nothing like this movement and the reason being is because something happened on Christmas morning. Something happened. In fact, if you're looking for a subtitle to this Christmas message, is that something happened. You could be here this morning, and it's because there's, there's a couple of reasons why you could be here this morning. One is because you may be a member of this church, and this is what we, we come along here. Or maybe you, you're here is because, it's because you had no choice. <laughs> it's Okay, this is the one time of year that you have to come to church. Or, um, or, or maybe you just didn't have anything else to do. Or maybe you're like, why not? I'll just come along. Or for whatever reason, why you are here, you are most welcome in this place. And thank you for joining with us. And, and the reason why you are here is because something happened. And the reason why we're coming together on a Friday is because something happened. Something happened on Christmas morning that radically changed a community of people. And this community of people started to do things that no other communities were doing. And why were they doing something? Why did they radically change the way that they live? It's because something happened. 
What were these communities doing? All of a sudden, these communities, we're going back 2,000 years ago. These communities, what were they doing? They were looking after the poor. When, when the society, especially in, the, in, the Ro- in Greco-Roman society, where if you can't look up, if you can't fend for yourself, well, that's your problem. And all of a sudden, they're now this group of believers, this community are looking after the poor. They're looking after the elderly. They're looking after the widow. The slave and the master will come together in the same room and eat at the same table. That's, that's outrageous. That the master would wash the feet of his slave. That will ultimately lead to the, the abolishment of slavery. That this community, there was nothing like this community. There was nothing like these, these believers. And, and the Roman Empire at that time, they, they began to press on these, these, these believers because they were different. Than the, and the, uh, they weren't there to change the social order. They, they were there to, to live a life in, in the way of, of someone who was born on Christmas morning. And you know, when you're growing up in the, in the Roman Empire, you looked around, you thought, well, this, this empire will last forever and forever and forever. Nothing will change. This is all I know. Because think about the, uh, the lives that we live in right now. This is all we know. Whether you live in, um, you come from, a, from a, a, a wealthy family or not, sometimes this is all we see. This is all I know, and nothing will change. And the people in the Greco-Roman world, this is all they saw. Nothing. The Roman Empire, that's here forever. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. But this little band of community, strange people who love one another, who come together, who, who, who look after the poor and look and who, well, I don't know if this thing will last. Here we are 2,000 years ago. The Roman Empire is no more. But there are believers, millions of believers across the globe coming together because something happened on Christmas morning. You may think it's a myth. You may think that it's a nice story, but something happened that radically changed. For Western society, for Western culture that kind of snubs Christianity today, Western culture was formed because something happened on Christmas Day. Because our rules and our laws and how we, the Enlightenment period happened because something happened on Christmas morning. Something happened. Something changed the world. So wherever you stand on this, you've come to a great service because we're here to begin to read what happened on Christmas morning. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And this is how it all started. And it reads like this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, when Joseph heard the angels speak to him, he didn't hear the name Jesus. 
He didn't, so he didn't hear this. When the angel spoke to Joseph, he didn't hear the name because Jesus is the Latin translation of the name that he heard. He didn't hear that. Nor did he hear the Greek transliteration of the word that he heard, which is Joshua. He didn't hear the word Joshua because there's no J in Hebrew. He didn't hear the transliteration of the word. What he heard was a Hebrew word, a Hebrew name. And the word that he heard was Yeshua. And you will name him Yeshua. And you can only imagine what, what Joseph was thinking. Yeshua. Ah, oh, you want me to name him Yeshua. Just like, just like the Old Testament or the, or the, the Scripture Bible hero. Yeshua, just like Joshua. Oh, so the baby that is to be born will come just like Joshua. Oh, angel, you can stop right there. We know that a Messiah is to be born, and the Messiah is going to come. And he's going to come, and he's going he's to come in the spirit of Joshua, and he's going to vanquish the enemy. He's going to get rid of Rome. He's going to liberate Israel. He's going to set us free. This is why you want me to call him Joshua. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Stop right there, I'm not finished. And he said, and he will save his people from their sins. And uh, you can imagine what Joseph is thinking. He goes, save his people from their sins? Oh, I don't know if you know this, angel, but that's not really a big deal. In fact, that's not even a pressing need. Because we've got this sophisticated system already in place. South of here, it's called the temple. It's called the law of Moses. We've got the save us from our sins covered. I don't know if you know this, but we've got this all sorted. See, because this wasn't the agenda that they had for the Messiah. This wasn't the agenda they had that the Messiah will come to what? To save them from their sins. That wasn't the agenda. The agenda was that the Messiah was going to come to liberate them, liberate them from what they saw around them, that they were going to, live, um, to push out the Roman Empire out of Israel, to put Israel back to, to where it was supposed to be. This was their agenda. But the angel said, what did the angel say to him? That he will come to save his people from their sin, that you will have a son, and he will come in the spirit of Joshua, to deliver the Savior, but he will come to save your people from the thing, from the very thing that they need saving from the most. And that's their sin. This is why the Savior of the world came. To save, to save us from the very thing we need saving from the most. That's our sin. And Luke chapter 2, it carries on. And Luke, as he pens this chapter, he begins to record. He's the historian. He records the, the chronological order of how this happened. And he writes in verse 1, In those days, Caesar Augustus, Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Verse 3, And everyone went to their own town to register. What I love about this verse is that Caesar Augustus was the very first Roman emperor. And he listened to his advisors and decided to count everybody in the empire. And in doing so, he unknowingly set in motion the prophetic uh, prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And what I love about this passage, because when we see there was no guest room available to them, we think of inn, right? There was no room in the inn. And we have all our nativity stories, and there's a, someone always likes to play the innkeeper, right? And they go knocking on the door, looking for the innkeeper. Uh, but what you notice as you read the, these passages is there are no innkeepers. The innkeepers aren't in the Bible story. In fact, the words there, I love this, this translation says there was no guest room. Some translation says they uses the word in, which is not actually the, the right Greek word. The Greek word for, for in is pandokian, which is the Greek word for in. But the Greek word used is kataluma. The Greek, and kataluma means a spare room, a guest room, like you would have in your house. Does anybody have a spare room? It's where we normally chuck all the washing, right? <laughs> chuck everything else. And, and, and we kind of like, you got to close the spare room. We're trying to push everything in and close the door. The only time it gets tidied is when someone comes to the house and we tidy it up. And then they come and go, wow, what an amazing room. Yeah, it always looks like this. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, like when people turn up to your house, you got guests around and goes, wow, what a beautiful house. Great. But you know what? 20 minutes before you arrived, there was chaos. And I was like... Kids, fold the clothes, do those dishes, vacuum the floor. Okay, and then everybody arrives. It's always like this. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't know about you. I don't know if your house is like my house. The only time it gets, you know, I'm giving away too many secrets. Anyway, carry on, carry on. It's, it's the word kataluma, guest room, room in the house. Because think about it. Joseph is going to his ancestry home. All his relatives are going to their ancestry home. There's many people in this room, we come from different countries. When you go back to your ancestry home, who do you go stay with? We go stay with family members. We go see if there's any room in the guest room. Joseph arrives to their family home, and Mary's fully pregnant, about to give birth. They're, I don't know about you, if someone comes to my house, and we've got a lot of people happy, we've got a family reunion going on. If you're Cook Islander, Cook Islanders love family reunions. We have them every year, so uh, just to make sure we don't marry our cousins. That's the main reason. That's your cousin, okay? Remember, okay, God, my cousin. Don't marry that person, okay? You need this on a small island, okay? <laughs> my wife always says to me, "Do not say everything that comes through your mind." Okay, do not. Don't have to say everything that comes through your mind. Anyway, so they arrive. We're getting there. They arrive. There's no room. And the reason being is because what do we know about Mary? Mary was found to be pregnant, meaning she was found out. Remember, Joseph was pleased to be married to her, and all of a sudden she was pregnant before the wedding. I don't know about you, if I was Joseph, I'd be thinking, whose baby is it? <laughs> whose baby is it? Right? And the Holy Spirit speaks, comes in a dream, and says, uh, it was because of the Holy Spirit, take Mary to be your wife. And so they go to the family home. They get to the family home, and, it, and all of a sudden the family... You know what family is like when there's a scandal in the family? Oh, there they come. Look, Joseph, there's Joseph coming with that woman there. She's pregnant, and it's not even his. And they go, what, they want to stay in our house? And they arrive. And he goes, is there, is there any, got any room left in, in, in the house? And they go, oh, Joseph. Joseph, Joseph, if you only came one minute earlier, Jacob and his 12 kids already arrived here. They took up the last spaces, 
If you weren't here, there would be enough room for you. I don't know about you. If a, if a free, fully pregnant woman arrived to my house, a family member, I'll be like, Samuel, get sleep in the lounge on the floor of your cousins. Give up your bed for your, for your cousin. Okay, that's what I'll be doing. She's fully pregnant. You make room. When there, there's no, if there's no room, you make room. But what do they say? Well, I'll tell you what. We've got some space for you, all right, but it's way down the back. It's, it's where we keep the animals, because that's where people like you deserve to be, way back there with the animals. And he goes on in verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, they were, t- and they, are, they were terrified. I don't know about you. I'll be terrified too if a bunch of angels turned up. You know, like, oh my goodness. Well, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I can see you shaking your knees. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior. Why did Jesus come? Save us from our sins. Our Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You know what I love about this passage is that when it came to announcing the birth of God's Son, who did God decide to announce it to? He didn't go to the big houses in Rome. Didn't go to the palaces. Didn't go to the, to the, to the high places in Jerusalem. But he went to some shepherds who lived out in a field. The outcasts. Those that aren't good enough. A picture of God's upside down kingdom. Where there's a savior born to all humanity. Not just to the elite, but to all mankind. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And I love this because for a shepherd, this is where they laid their babies when they're born. And you can imagine what they're thinking. This Savior that's born to us, He is like us. There's a Savior born just like us. Suddenly a great company, company of the heavenly host, this is the heavenly army, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom His favor rests. When the angel had left and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So here's what we need to know if you're here and you're not a Christian. Is that we have four accounts of the life of a a carpenter from Nazareth. Why? Because something happened. The fact that something happened is why it was recorded, why it is so precious, why it was copied, why people died to make sure that the story is in our hands today. Because something happened, that God came to earth in the form of a baby, that he loved you so much that God stepped into his creation and he binded himself with flesh. And something happened on Christmas morning. God in a form of a baby. A 
tell you what, it was such a big deal, even for these nobodies. Because this is a story that was recorded. This is a story that was protected. This is a story that was copied. This is a story that was cherished. Christianity is not fragile because something happened. Verse 18. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph. And the baby who was lying in the manger, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Perhaps the most important verse in the whole passage in verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary, who, Mary is a very strong woman. Mary would have been between the ages of 12 to 15. That's how old the women all the, um, those days got married, the young girls, between 12 and 15. This is how old they were. If you're, if, you were, if, if, if you're 20 years old, you're sitting in this room, you would have been married for at least seven years already at 20. And to be found to be with child, and all you can say was the Holy Spirit? Traveling a long distance, fully pregnant, when no one else wanted her around, all of a sudden, she's surrounded by a bunch of people worshiping in amaze because something happened on Christmas morning. Because after all, who would believe her? Who would believe her? Her reputation had been shattered, so she told no one. We assume that, that we assume that she tried to raise Jesus as normal as possible. But then one day, about 33 years later, she'll watch her firstborn die. And then she'll peer into an empty tomb. And she'll be embraced by her resurrected son, who she knew without a doubt. And that moment was, in fact, exactly what the angel foretold. That he was the savior of the world. But he just wasn't any savior. He was her personal savior. And he's your personal savior. Matthew will do his best and, and record it as accurate as possible because something happened. Luke will try to do his best and write it down in chronological order because something happened. But in my opinion, I think it will be John who would summarize it best. It will be John who took care of Mary. It will be John who would have heard the, the, the birth narrative a thousand times. It will be, it'll be John who, who, when he begins to pen his gospel, years later, as an old man, the last, the last of the four gospels to be written, it will be John who would summarize it best. And as he begins to summarize the Christmas story, he gets to this part and he begins to, and, he, and he thinks about it and he and, and he's and he's and he's and he's full of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to pen and, and pen something down, and as he pens it down, he wonders to himself, would anybody do anything with this? What I'm about to pen, the Christmas story, would anybody do something with it? 
He had no idea. John had no idea that people in countries, that children will memorize these verses, adults will memorize these verses, and languages yet to be spoken will begin to speak this verse. And countries yet to be discovered. That people all over the world, that 2,000 years later, millions upon millions of people will begin to proclaim this verse. And this verse is one of the most well-known verses in Christianity. And he begins to pen this verse. And he writes it down. And he summarizes this Christmas story. Thinking to himself, would anyone do anything with this? And he writes it down. And John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And this is the Christmas story. His one and only son. That whoever believes in, trusts in, places their weight upon, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he's an old man. He, he pens this and he wonders, will anyone do anything with this? But here we are 2,000 years later and most of us can quote this verse. We can quote it. We can memorize it. But you know what's really interesting? Here's the part that we don't memorize. And what's really interesting, this is why we celebrate Christmas. It's the verse that follows. It's verse 17. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. John would know he was there but to save the world through him. And that's Christmas. That's Christmas. That God loved you so much. He loved the messy people of the world. Does anybody ever get a little bit messy in life? I'm not talking about when I eat. My wife reckons I need a bib. But our life can get very messy. And I don't know if you've ever stained your shirt. Wearing, I don't know, whatever. I don't know, I don't know this might be just only happens to me. But whenever I wear a white shirt, there's always going to be tomato sauce on it. Even if I'm not even eating food. There's going to be tomato sauce. I have no idea. It's like a heat-seeking missile. Where's a white t-shirt? Right there. But it's like, I don't know about you, it's like any mess. The more I try to wipe this mess, what happens? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And when we come to our own messes in the world, when we try to do things our own way, it gets bigger and bigger. So God loved you so much that he sent his, his son to all the messy people of the world so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting Life, And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because the angels were right to Mary and to Joseph and to the shepherds that God sent a Savior into the world not to, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. 
Jesus invites us to live in a new way of living, to receive his greatest gift that is given to each one of us, forgiveness of your greatest regret, of all your sin, to loose the shackles of sin and live a life of freedom now. That's the Christmas story. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your son. The greatest gift. Lord, as we, even as we stand and sit in this room, when we look over our life, there are times of where we, things, many things we've done that we've regretted. Many things, Lord, that we've stepped into, we've made a bigger mess. But I thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave us this gift that Jesus on the cross died for all our sins to set us free from the thing that we need saving from the most, which is our sin. Thank you, Lord, for the Christmas story and this thing that we celebrate, that today, because of what happened on Christmas morning, that these communities went on and they started, started hospitals started orphanages, started universities and schools and began to change the world as we know it because something happened. And Father, as we begin to celebrate today, Father, let us never forget what's around us and be aware of the need that is at hand. And may we be the people to begin to reach this world with your hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come and give the Lord a hand wherever you are. Praise God.
Christmas, everybody.